0: in apex north carolina stay tuned at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us so be sure to have a pen and paper ready today pastor rodney will be teaching a special message so grab your bibles and follow along now with today's teaching here's pastor rodney
1: What breaks God's heart should break your heart. What God calls sin, you should call sin. Even if you have a problem with what, even if you're struggling with it, it's still sin. Just because you struggle with it doesn't make it any more right. It doesn't make it right. It just means you struggle with it. It just means you need to get victory. It just means that you need to hack your agag to death. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, talk to me at the service. I don't have time. It should break our hearts when we hear of a genocide. Mordecai mourned openly, publicly at the mass, at the potential mass murder of the Jewish people. And it didn't take long for the news. Are y'all still with me? Say I'm with you, pastor. It didn't take long for the news to reach Esther. She gets the message. Mordecai tells Esther Haman is trying to kill the Jewish people. He says, Esther, you got to go to the king. And plead. We're, we're in chapter four four. got to go to the king and plead for the lives of your people. Not so simple, even for the queen just to go before the king without proper personal invitation. If you did that, you could be killed. So if Esther goes and does this, she's breaking royal protocol and risking her life. Chapter four, verse 11. Now look at chapter four. Verse 13, actually, verse 12, chapter four, verse 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do you think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews? For if you remain, Esther, completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise. Watch the saints for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish yet. Who knows whether you have come to this kingdom. Somebody read it with me. For such a time as this. And then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go. Gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan. And fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so Esther said I'll go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Mordecai, saints, give me your attention, said, Esther, you got to go. You got to do something. And if you don't keep your pen, three things. If you don't, verse 12, number one, cousin, Queen Esther, if you don't, You won't escape if you do nothing. You're a Jew. And when March 7th, 473 BC rolls around, you are fair game like us. Number two, verse 14. Mordecai says, God is not limited by you or me, nor will he allow his people to perish. He will use someone else to save the nation if necessary. Mordecai says, look, Esther, if you don't do anything, God will bring deliverance. For the Jews, another way, another place. Now, isn't that really true? You know, God is never hindered by man's unwillingness. God is never hindered by man's unwillingness. If you don't want to be used of God, God will accomplish his plan and purpose with someone else. With you or without you, You do not stop the plan and the purpose of God. Somebody say amen. If you don't want to be used by God, God will get the job done. And number three, Esther, in verse 16, Mordecai says, cousin, this could explain why you won Miss Persia Empire contest. He said, Esther, maybe you won for such a time as this. Verse 16, Esther said, I'll go before the king and if I perish I perish. Esther was a smart woman and she knew what was going on in the kingdom. She knew going in the presence of the king uninvited could mean death. She knew what happened to ex queen Vashti. She knew her husband liked to drink and kill folk. Mordecai said, Esther, this is important and it's necessary and necessary. Not only for your own personal survival, but for the people. And you know, she took a risk. She took a step of faith. Are you still with me? She took a step of faith with no guarantee of outcome. Esther was the one chosen for such a time as this. From Genesis to Revelation, God sets his hand on one. Don't you understand God only needs one? Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Isaiah chapter six in verse eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, what do you say, saints? Here I am. Send me. God is always looking for one, not many. God doesn't need a great army. God doesn't need great numbers. God can do a great work with few. Remember Gideon, 450 prophets or 450 to one. Remember Samson, he killed 3000 Philistines in his death. You know, I saw a bumper sticker that said the best man for the job is a woman. And in this case, that's true. But in most cases, the person for the job is anyone that will say, here I am, send me. Chapter 5, Esther puts on the royal cloth. She gets all prettied up. She stands before the king. She's probably thinking, is my will up to date? Verse 2, the king, chapter 5, verse 2, found favor and invited Esther to come near. She invited Haman and the king to dinner so she could make a request. Well, look at chapter five and verse verses five through eight at the banquet. The king said, what's your request? Well, she got cold feet. She obviously didn't think it was time. The time was right. So she said, honey and Haman, can we do this again tomorrow? Look at verse nine. Haman is so e- egotistical. Chapter five in verse nine. So Haman went out that day joyful with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Haman is so egotistical. He's loving the fact that he's having dinner with the king and the queen. And he's thinking, great. She said, can you come back for another dinner? And he says, great. He gets to have the royal dinner twice. you to have it tomorrow. Haman in our text He's walking back to his house on the way. He sees Mordecai and he goes crazy. Look at verse 13 and 14. He goes home, shared his anger with his family and friends. And he said, I got to get rid of that descendant of Saul, this Jew. He's got to go. They said, why don't you make some gallows and hang him? And Haman said, that's perfect. That's what I'll do. Chapter six, the king couldn't sleep. He's tossing and turning. He calls for the royal records. He starts reading because the royal records serve as a sleep aid. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh huh. And look at verse two in chapter six. And it was found written. So the king's reading the royal records, the royal the uh, the, the the chronicles. And, and it was found written that Mordecai had told of victim, those thugs and turess. Two of the king's units, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on the king, Asherah. And then the king in verse three said, what honor and dignity had been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, nothing has been done. So the king can't sleep. He's reading the records and he reads it. Watch this, watch this. He reads at the exact place, when it was recorded that Mordecai saved his life and he had forgotten about it. And the king asked the servant, he said, did we repay Mordecai for what he's done? Did we show him honor or dignity or Mordecai for this? And in verse five and six, Haman came in. He wants to get permission to hang Mordecai for not bowing to him. Chapter six, verse six, look at it before he can say anything. The king asked Haman, he said, Haman. What honor should I show a man that saved my life? Haman says, oh, give him the royal robe. <laughs> yes, sir. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love the story. Haman said, well, I think you should roll out the red carpet. I think you should give him the royal robe and let him ride on the king's horse and let him have princes and to lead him through the city. And an interesting, shocking twist. Look at verse 10. The king said, Haman, hurry up and get everything you just said together. And I want you to do that for Mordecai, the Jew. And he probably went, drats and double drats. Y'all remember remember drats? Who was drats? Who was drats? Remember that drats? The guy said drats. Y'all know that? Did y'all ever see that cartoon? Ron, I don't remember the character. Who was it? Gasterly. Wacky racers. Degasterly. You get a prize, sir. I don't know what it is yet, but you get it. Love this. Saints, watch this. This is where are you still with me at home? This is where everything changes. And this is the beginning of Haman's fall. I think of Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Please write that down. But as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. Let me tell you something. I am a witness that God can change stuff around. Is there a witness here? God, God. Huh? Huh? God can change stuff around. God can take something that people meant to harm you and God will use it to protect you and promote you. Amen. Am I right about it? Saints? And that's exactly what happened. Remember to Joseph? Remember his brothers meant to cause him harm, but God used it to promote him to his destiny. And let me tell you something. The key real quick to having peace in our current cultural climate. Pastor Rodney, how you have so much peace? How you have joy? Here's here's where I get peace and joy. I know that no matter what happens, God's going to turn it around and make it for my good. I really believe that. I really believe that. I don't only believe it. I know it to be a fact. I've watched God do it over and over and over. I've been at this Christian thing for a minute, sir. Okay, I didn't just start walking this journey. God has taken me through some stuff. And the reason why you can't have no peace is because you ain't been through nothing. Because when you go through something, that's how you know. Look, when you're going through something and then, you, and then you start going through something else and God brought you through that thing in the past, you look back on the thing in the past and go, look, if God brought me from that, he will take me to here. Because, look, look, there's a lot of things, ma'am, sir, there's a lot of things that God cannot do and one of them is fail. He will not fail. Am I right about it? He will promote you. He will protect you and bring you. And that gives me peace. Look at verse 12. It tells us in chapter 6 when the whole disgraceful thing is over, he goes home. He's looking to comfort looking for comfort from family and friends, and he doesn't find it. Verse 14, and while they're still talking, they came to get Haman for the second dinner the next night. Haman and the king are at the second dinner with Esther, and there's a surprise. Chapter 7 and verse 1. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther on the second day and the banquet of wine. The king again said to Esther, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom I'll give you shall be done. And then Queen Esther answered and she said, if I have found favor in the sight, O king, if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Ooh, that's a good way to start. For we have been sold... My people and I to be destroyed, to be killed and to be annihilated. Had we had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. And so King Hasherah answered and he said to the queen, who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary, the enemy is that. I get the impression she pointed right at him. She said, That wicked one right there, sitting there about to eat the pork chop. That one. You know, you point where. You're. that one. So Haman in verse six was terrified. He should be. Before the king and the queen. And then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine, and in his wrath from the banquet of, uh, uh, it, from his wrath, he, and he went out in the palace garden. But Haman stood before the queen Esther, pleading for his life. For he saw the evil that was determined against him by the by the king. And when the king returned, watch verse eight from the palace garden to the to the place of the banquet of the wine. Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And then the king said, will you also assault the queen while I'm out of the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face saying stop right there. So Queen Esther, she points him out. The king says, who is this? She said, it's that guy. Haman's probably looking like who, me? Me? Keep in mind, he didn't. Haman didn't know that Esther was a Jew. He did not know that. So the king, again, he storms out. He goes to the garden to calm down. He remembers that Haman told him the Jews were a threat to the empire. He remembers that he signed a bill into law. He He didn't know that Esther was a Jew, so now... Watch it. The law involves murdering the queen. Haman gets up, falls across the dinner table. The king walks in. He says, oh, now you want to kill my wife in my house. The royal guards covered his face. They led him away. They hanged him on the gallows and that he had built for Mordecai or Mordecai. Chapter eight, verse two, chapter nine, verse four. The king exalted Mordecai and Mordecai became prominent in Persia. Now, listen, we still have the murder bill enacted into law. You see, once a king made a decree or a law, it couldn't be changed. But Mordecai could issue another law to supersede the previous law. So then in chapter nine, I tell you quickly, Mordecai, made a decree that the Jews could defend themselves. They couldn't get rid of the law, but he could enact another law. And the other law that he enacted gave a decree that the Jews could defend themselves against any effort to take their lives the day and the date, March 7, 473 BC, came and the Jews defeated and defended themselves. A festival was called the Feast of Purim, P-U-R-I-M, Purim. And it it establishes and it celebrates. pure. P-U-R, means lot or dice. And it's called Purim because Haman cast dice and determined that all the Jews should be killed on that day. Saints, this is an amazing story, isn't it? And God notice he's not mentioned, but God has clearly seen God is the real hero in the story. Somebody say, "Amen." And the power behind the story. we see the providence of God in every single detail in this book in this book. His providence is seen in Esther winning the Miss Persia Beauty pageant. His providence as Mordecai is in the right place to hear the plot to murder the king. it's his providence as Esther. Decided at just the right time to tell the king. It's his providence that Haman plotting against the Jewish people. His providence, God. The king walks out and walks in and he thinks Haman is attacking his wife. You see that? Huh? Look at that very, very, very small detail. But God is in it. He could have stayed out there another hour or two. Haman could have got up and sat down and took a drink and tried to get himself together because he knew he about to die. But it's God's providence. He walked right in. Oh, you're trying to kill my wife, huh? That's the providence of God. His providence. The gallows were already built for Haman to hang on. His providence. All the Jews were saved and they had a legal authority to fight back. I'm almost done. The doctrine of God's providence, take your pen, really. The doctrine of God's providence is a combination of four other attributes. Sovereignty, predestination, wisdom, and goodness. Sovereignty, he is in control. Say amen. Predestination, he is in charge of how everything turns out. Say amen. Wisdom. He makes no mistakes. Say amen. Goodness. He has our best interests at heart. Say amen. The doctrine of God's providence, a combination of four attributes, sovereignty, predestination, wisdom, and goodness. R.C. Sproul said, God doesn't roll dice. Nothing happens by chance ever. I love that. We can learn. That God is in control of what happens when it happens, how it happens, why it happens, and even what happens after it happens. Huh? God is in control of what happens when it happens, how it happens, why it happens, and even what happens after it happens. And this is true of all events in every place. From the beginning of time, he does this for our good and for his glory. He's not the author of sin, yet evil serves his purpose. He does not violate our free will, yet free will serves his purpose. We are not supposed to understand all these things. We are not called to understand all these things. We are called and told to believe all these things. Our country. Kind of crazy right now, isn't it? But like, watch this, I'm coming in for a landing. But like we do not see or hear the name of God in the book of Esther. Just because we don't. See it. He's still working. He's still working. Just because we don't feel it. He's still working. He's active in the life of Esther and he's active in your life. You might think, where is God in all this? Can I tell you something? Somebody asked me that, actually. They said, Pastor Rodney, where is God in all this? I said, on the throne. (laughs) On the throne. What? You think he fell off the throne? Y'all say amen. Everything, listen, y'all, everything is happening on God's divine time clock. And the answer... To our country's problems is not appealing to our better selves. The answer to our country's problems is calling on the name of God. Come on, come on. Let's bring God, let us, let us, let us bring God back into our conversation. I posted on Facebook and I I asked the question. If you haven't seen it, go find it. I asked the question Has anybody noticed that there is no mention of God? There's no talk of God. In our, has anybody noticed, nobody's talking about God and the cities are, are being destroyed and people's lives are being destroyed and people are sick and people are dying. People are committing suicide. Children are hurting. Our country is in a really bad place and nobody, nobody, Jason, is calling on God. We don't hear that in our public discourse, do we? What we hear... Open your ears, Christian. What we hear is what you need to do and what we can pull ourselves together and what we can do. God doesn't say that. God says, if my people would call on my name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I'll turn from their wicked ways. They'll turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. That's what God says. He does not tell us to appeal to our better selves. Because that is humanism. That's humanism. Let us bring God back into our conversation. God is never late. God is never early. Come on, come on.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.